0: Hello, and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another sunny day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Philip Miller, founder and managing director of Dreaming Fish Productions, a media production company based in Surrey. Philip, hello. Hello, how are you? Excellent. Thank you for making it on to the podcast today. We might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to you?
1: Well, that's a, that's a big question. Um, I suppose it's really just being able to um, I suppose run a business, uh, make sure that the people within the business um, are going in the right direction, are fulfilling the mission, um, are living the values, um, and ultimately are providing the service that we want for our clients.
0: Um, and, you know, it's about looking after the clients, but also about looking after the people themselves. And how would you describe your personal leadership style? Ah, interesting. Um, I'd say probably that um, as a leader, I think I'm, I'm
1: quite laid back, quite relaxed. Um, but, um, you know, I'm aware of the fact that, that people have different needs and, and that as a leader, I need to sort of be aware of those different needs. Um, but also, obviously, ultimately aware of the, the needs of, the clients as well. Um, because obviously the business needs to be successful and, uh, um, and I suppose a leader needs to make sure that, that you balance the, the, um, the needs of the clients against the needs of the staff and the team.
0: And of course you manage a, a quite decent sized team. Um, now, uh, humans are not infallible. Uh, they do uh, have their bad days and their conflicts. How do you handle, uh, conflict within the workplace?
1: I think it's um actually i'd say increasingly it's it's difficult because um uh workplaces are are more open um literally physically more open um but also um, i suppose you know leaders are expected to be um flexible um and understanding and adaptable um so conflict is generally handled um uh on a face-to-face basis um usually we try and um preempt any issues that may arise um we have monthly um keep in touch meetings where um i go out um of the office with uh, members of staff every month and quarterly with the whole team um, to discuss any issues that they feel they can't share um in the open um workplace but uh it's, it's it can be difficult obviously um but i think um ultimately it's about talking it's about communication you know communication will win out over everything else um if you have to fall back on contracts, then I think the relationship's already lost. So it's about building a good relationship with the team, with the individual members of the team and understanding their needs. And then I suppose when we do come across issues, it's about talking
0: it through. Let's go back to the very beginning of your career when you were first starting out, your working life. Was there any particular individual or set of circumstances that molded the way that you lead today?
1: Uh, yes, probably there was actually. I think there was a, uh, you know a few individuals actually um i I began my my career in the public sector um and uh, i don't know if anyone remembers back in the days of business links and the training enterprise councils in the late um but that's where I sort of began my my real career i suppose and uh, there were a number of individuals that i came across my uh, my chief executive at the time um at the southwest training enterprise council was um was Ian parks and he he, I think, was a was a great leader. He had a young team, a enthusiastic team, and he motivated people. Um, you know, at a time which was was difficult, I suppose, um, as sort of public funding was being cut. But he he led um, from the front. Um, he knew how to enjoy himself, and he knew how to ensure that the team enjoyed themselves. And there was just enough freedom for everyone to feel, um, you know, that they could have a, a bit of fun within the business. But at the same time, it was important that, that everyone delivered. And um, I, I think um, probably he has influenced me the most um, as well as, you know, a, f- a few of the, the great, um, I suppose, like Sir Richard Branson and people like that, that, I, you know, a lot of people look up to. Um, but I think, in, you know, as an individual, he, that one person was the person who sort of said that, that really, um, you know, he uh, inspired me, I suppose, to, to be the leader that I've become. And also, I suppose, like, I'm, you know, I have to go back further than that to, uh, to maybe my mother. She, uh, She ran her own business and she was, uh, she always, um, you know, um, crafted, um, when I was a child and and I looked at her and I thought, you know, one day I want to be like that. I want to be that person. So, uh, and she always had amazing relationships, um, personal relationships with, with her clients and with her team. And, uh, and yeah, I always sort of aspired to be that person.
0: Now, do you attempt to pass this knowledge on to uh, your staff?
1: Yes, I do. Um, I sort of try and sort of uh, walk the talk um, as much as I can, and, and try and make sure that, um, that you know within the business that everyone is free to grow in their position and free to um, to develop themselves as, as leaders. And um, I suppose I, I go out and go about it with a, in a formal way from a training point of view, mm-hmm. um, but more um, I suppose trying to look to um, the, the team to to maybe model themselves. Um, Not necessarily on me, but on the approach that we take, um, which is, like I said, it's very open and honest. Um, And I think if you're, you know, if you are open and honest um, and you know where the business is going and you sign up to that, then I think, you know, the leadership thing should
0: come pretty much um, easily. What's your first piece of advice for an aspiring leader? That's a tough one. The first piece of advice...
1: Um, Oh, man uh, I think get the basics right first right um, because it's it's hard to to build a business um, without the basics in place of course um, you know good processes um, are important um, make sure that all those things are covered um, because actually if you're if you're mired in the detail then it's almost impossible to then to lead the team because you're too busy sort of working on the business um, mm-hmm. and actually you know you need to be able to, to, to Distance yourself from that to be able to then focus on the individuals and and you know make sure that they are um getting what they need. Because ultimately you know they're they're not they're coming in because you know they want to, but you know ultimately you've got to make sure their needs are fulfilled. Otherwise they'll go somewhere else. Um, and if they go somewhere else, obviously then the business can't deliver. So it's it's important that they are you know they're getting their needs fulfilled. They're, they're you know, getting paid what they want to get paid. They're, you know the conditions are correct. All all the things that you need to think about, I suppose, um, that an individual needs to be able to to develop. And uh, yeah, it's 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 difficult. But I think the first thing would be you know get the basics right, clear that stuff away so that you can look, um, you can focus on your team and you know be there for them actually rather than just working on the business.
0: Now, if I was to ask you to objectively identify the greatest leader, living or dead, who would that be? Tricky, I know.
1: Ah, that's tricky. Um, well, like I said, the, the sort of, I suppose, instantly, and a lot of people do. I know, sort of, think about someone like Richard Branson, who, um, I suppose, created uh, a brand um, and then extended it massively. Um, but it was a brand that people you know, resonated with, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, people who worked for, for him, um, I think, you know, they, they felt the same. I think it's difficult as, you know, as the business grew and grew and grew and there were more and more different, um, sub brands underneath it and different companies associated with it. Um, so I think he would be first, but also, um, I think, um, Dyson, I think, has, has always been, you know, there in the back of my mind as well. Someone, you know, who came from an engineering background, but who's built an amazing company. Um, and even, you know, the people that come out and service your Dyson um, love working for Dyson. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's incredible what he's done you know, as, as, you know, from an engineering background to build a global business.
0: Now, unfortunately, our time together is uh, running to its close. But before I let you go, what does next 12 months have in store for Dreaming Fish Productions?
1: Well, we're um, we're talking about opening a U.S. office currently um, and looking at um, staffing to, to better support our clients who are based in the U.S. and on the West Coast particularly. Um, we're looking at growing the team. Um, I think, you know, it's been a challenging few years um, with all the um, issues around Brexit and uh, changes in government. Um, But uh, I think actually this year hopefully will be our, our, you know, build on the success that we had last year, our best year ever. And, you know, this year we're we're aiming to go even further.
0: Well, Philip, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you. And I very much look forward to speaking with you again at some point in the near future.
1: Well, thanks very much. Thanks for having
0: me. That was Philip Miller, founder and managing director of Dreaming Fish Productions. And now, if you haven't heard it before, it's Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst.
2: Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. Sir Jeff Hurst, uh, thank you very much for coming on today.
1: Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon.
2: Absolutely and in those early days um at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh there, it's also important to have uh uh confidence with your other players. And of course they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more, was it Peters?
1: I think probably well I was very fortunate to play with the talent of the players, I did. Maybe overly strict, but at the times you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today 's football because it 's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now, but he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people, and he he was quite ruthless in getting people out he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group part of a team. It is important that if you 've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn, for you, and you don't have anybody. That's griping or moaning about the system, and if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learnt and I've taken on my life and my family—you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it—you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his staff, and I think that's one thing—one of the most serious ones. I think I've learnt over a long period of time.
2: And is there? Do you think? Uh, through your um, playing career perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later?